Well, this is my 11th Easter here at Lake Avenue Church, so, and uh, so because of that, this is my 11th Easter message here. So this year, I thought I would do something that might surprise you. I, I've decided I'm going to speak about the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. Aren't you, aren't you surprised? Actually, what I do every year is I listen to what other pastors are doing, and I found that almost all will do either one of two things. Uh, some will address the question of whether this resurrection thing is news to be believed or, or did it really happen. And others will address, is it an experience to change our lives or what difference does it make? So here's what I've decided to do as, as concisely as I can. I think I'm going to speak about both of those. And so I've picked out a couple of scripture readings from the life of the Apostle Paul that speak to those two parts of Easter, beginning uh, with him talking about it really happening in Acts 25 and 26. But before we turn there, when I read that text, it always feels like I'm either reading a a news report or sometimes it feels like it's a part of a a courtroom thriller. Uh, So you lawyers and judges, you'll like it. It's in a section of the Bible that we might call the real-life adventures of the Apostle Paul. It's, It's how it feels. So what was happening on this particular part is that the leaders in in, in Paul's country, the Jewish leaders and the chief priests, knowing that the Roman governor Festus, because Rome was over uh, the Jewish people, that he was going to be in Caesarea, they decided they would travel up there because they wanted to accuse Paul of, uh, of, of crimes against the Jewish people. So I'll show you a picture, just so you get a picture of this happening. Caesarea is just a little bit to the north. It's an amazing place if you ever go and see it. It was a governmental center. Jerusalem is a little bit to the south. Do you see that there? What, what Paul had learned about was that some of the Jewish leaders had a plot that when they were going to send him back to Jerusalem, that they were going to kidnap him. So what he did was, being a Roman citizen, he appealed to Caesar so he didn't go to Jerusalem. He ended up going to Rome. So there they all were in Caesarea. So that's the setting of this thing. So you have to picture this particular day where the local king, Agrippa, and his wife, Bernice, and the governor, the Roman governor, Festus, and the apostle Paul are all there as Paul tells the story. So with that in mind, let us stand for the reading of God's word. Try to picture being there. The next day, King Agrippa and Bernice came with great pomp and entered the audience room with the high-ranking military officers and the prominent men of the city. At the command of Festus, Paul was brought in. Festus said, King Agrippa and all who are present with us, you see this man. I found that he had done nothing deserving of death, but he made his appeal to the emperor. So I have brought him before all of you, and especially before you, King Agrippa. Then Agrippa said to Paul, you have permission to speak for yourself. I don't know if he knew what he was getting in for. Anyway, back to the text. So Paul began his defense. I once was convinced that I ought to do all that was possible to oppose the name of Jesus of Nazareth. And that is just what I did. I was so obsessed with persecuting Jesus' followers that I even hunted them down in foreign cities. On one of those journeys, I was going to Damascus with the authority and commission of chief priests. About noon, King Agrippa, as I was on the road, I saw a light from heaven, brighter than the sun, 
blazing around me and my companions. We all fell to the ground, and I heard a voice saying to me in Aramaic, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Then I asked, Who are you, Lord? I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, the Lord replied. Now get up, stand on your feet. I have appointed you to appoint you as a servant and as a witness of what you have seen and what you will see of me. So here I stand and testify to small and great alike. I am saying nothing beyond what the prophets and Moses said would happen, that the Messiah would suffer, and as the first to rise from the dead would bring the message of light to his own people and to the Gentiles. At this point, Festus interrupted Paul's defense. You are out of your mind, Paul, he shouted. Your great learning is driving you insane. I am not insane, most excellent Festus, Paul replied. What I am saying is true and reasonable. The king is familiar with these things, and I can speak freely to him. I am convinced that none of this has escaped his notice because it was not done in a corner. And this is the word of God. Thanks be to God. Let me take your seat. So I, I want to begin thinking about that. This, this, did this really happen? A couple of things I want you to notice. Uh, first of all, the Apostle Paul, one of the most educated men in his country, he knew that Jesus had died on the cross. Then one day, as he was traveling on a road to Damascus, the once recently crucified Jesus actually met Paul. That changed things. So for the rest of Paul's life, in good times or in bad, Paul insisted with objectivity and conviction that the event that we've been celebrating all morning here at Lake Avenue Church had really happened and that he was a personal witness of that event. Now the other thing I want you to notice this morning is that Paul was just one of many witnesses. So I put a list up here so that you can't miss them. There was the Apostle Paul, but it was a group of women who were the first to see Jesus, as Kelly in her reading said, and that's found in Matthew chapter 28, verses 1 through 7. Then some of the men, followers along the road to Emmaus, a couple of them, they were depressed. They thought this death of Jesus on the cross was the end of everything and that there was no hope for the future. And then he, he came before them and they met him. And that's found in Luke 24, verses 36 to 49. Uh, no, it was 24, verses 13 to 35. It's only afterwards that Jesus then met the 11 disciples because one of them, Judas, had taken his life. And, Paul, and Luke reports that in Luke 24, 36 to 49. In fact, Jesus met with these 11 disciples a number of times after he had risen. And then there was the big one, the big one. 500 people at one time who saw the risen Jesus, and that's recorded in 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 8. Now, all of that that I put up here in front of you is what undergirds this story that I was talking about in Acts 26. Do you remember this Roman governor, Festus, was listening, you know, happily to Paul telling his story until the Apostle Paul talked about a dead man rising from the grave. And this is something that the Roman guy didn't believe. It's like his hair went straight up. He jumps up and he says, Paul, you are out of your mind. Your great learning is driving you insane. And all of us who've been to school know that that could really happen, right? I mean, that's possible. 
But to this, Paul just said so soberly, I am not out of my mind. I'm quite rational. I'm just telling you what happened. And you can ask King Agrippa about this because he knows about it. And here, Paul really makes this remarkable statement. It's in Acts 26, verse 26. And he says, the king is familiar with all these things. So I can speak freely to him. I'm convinced that none of this has escaped his notice because, and I love the phrase, it has not happened in a corner. In other words, this claim that a man was dead, and here I mean completely dead, was no longer dead but had risen, had been witnessed by people all over the country. Paul said, we know he died, but we also just as certainly know he isn't dead anymore because he has risen. And I don't know if they said he is risen indeed. So don't miss this point. All, all this happened oh, just about 15 years before Paul was talking with Agrippa and, and Festus. In other words, the witnesses were still alive, or at least most of them were. And so what Paul was saying to the king, he says, the king knows what I'm talking about. This, the evidence for Jesus actually being alive is indisputable. Now, the reason why I wanted to take the time uh, this Easter 2018 to talk to you about this is to let you know that one of the distinctive things about our Christian faith is that it's rooted in history. If, if the things it records did not happen, then we really have no faith. It's, it's one of the things that sets our Christian faith apart from most of the world religions. Most religions are either sort of philosophies that uh, intellectually need to be grasped, like, like Buddhism, or others are more techniques that need to be learned and practiced like so many rules-based religions. But our Christian faith is based upon news that is to be believed. And what it declares is that Jesus really lived. And he lived the life we should live but we haven't. And then he died and died in our place on the cross. And then that he rose again. As Paul said, if this didn't happen, we wouldn't have a faith in 1 Corinthians 15, 14, if Christ has not been raised from the dead, then our faith is void. It's useless. It's dead. Now, I was preaching a message about this back in Chicago a number of years ago. I had a delightful man come up to talk to me. I, I call him delightful because he and I disagreed about almost everything. But <laughs> and, and he said to me, um, Dr. Waybright, I'm not a religious man, but you gave a good speech today. My wife has been showing up at church, and she told me that you're an educated man. So I knew I had to come up and talk to you about this resurrection thing today. I know, I know you had to talk about that in your church, but now, just between you and me, you don't really believe that happened, do you? He went on to talk to me about what I've heard so often before. He said he loves Easter. He loves to show up at church on Easter. He thinks of Easter more as a metaphor of things that seem to be dying and then come back to life. He says, I think of it like spring. You may not know this in Southern California so well. It, things die in Chicago in the spring, spring, it looks like, and then the buds start coming out. He said, that's the way I think about Easter. It looks dead and hopeless, but, but somehow there is always hope in this world. So I want you to listen to me today. He, he said to me, um, I know that people back in Bible days, they were ignorant and, and not educated, and they believe this miracle stuff. And he says, and I know that there are some people who still are gullible enough to believe this stuff, but, but you and I, we're, we're educated people. We don't believe this. 
So listen to me today. <clears throat> First of all, ancient people were not as ignorant or as gullible as we moderns might think. Did you notice Acts 26? I mean, when Festus heard this story about a man who'd been dead actually being alive, he didn't just buy that. He wasn't gullible enough to buy that because he, like, like all people know, that usually, I mean usually... <laughs> When a person dies and has been put into the grave, you don't find him in a couple of days out eating fish with his friends and having meetings, right? <laughs> and that's exactly what Jesus was doing. So if, if even the ancient people didn't really believe that naturally, why is it that people all over the world began to believe in Jesus and to follow Jesus all over the world within that next century? The reason is because of the many witnesses. The answer to that is what Paul said to Festus. Look at the evidence, governor, as the answer to your questions. This resurrection really happened in history. I saw it. Other credible witnesses saw Jesus crucified and then risen. Hundreds of us are witnesses to that today. So I just want to say to you, and I say this so often, I always want you to be ready and willing to ask the hard questions. You've got to face up to the questions that are in your heart. But I also want you to be skeptical about your own skepticism. There may be some things that are true and real that you don't know about. And one of them is, my own witness to you and my witness to him is, no, I do believe. I do believe. I've experienced the reality and the presence and the power of the risen Jesus. And I believe with my whole heart that if you will take the time to look at the evidence, like so many have done, great journalists like Frank Morrison and then later Lee Strobel took time to look at the evidence, I think if you will do that, you will come to the same place that I have come, that it is true, that Jesus is risen. It is news to be believed. All right, I'm going to... I hope the applause doesn't mean you think I'm done. All right, I'm not done yet. Just quickly. Because I want you to see that that news is something that should change our lives. Uh, I've got to talk to you about this because you know as well as I do. There are a lot of people who go to church and sometimes go to church every week and believe every story about Jesus that is true that's in the Bible, including the resurrection. We believe it in our heads, but it makes not one lick of difference in our lives. It doesn't change us at all. We keep living for ourselves. Because when the Bible talks about belief or faith, it talks about knowing what the facts are, that Jesus is risen, assenting to it, that yes, I believe it's true, but it also means trust, as Jesus said, following him, so that our lives actually begin to be different because of the resurrected Jesus. So I want us to see one passage in which Paul talks about that. And he wrote it from all places, from a prison and still he had hope. It's in Philippians chapter 4, verses 10 through 14. And I think we should stand once again for the reading of God's word. You can get the wiggles out uh, while, while you're there and hear this incredible text. <clears throat> What's the Apostle Paul says? I can find that. There we go. But whatever were gains for me before, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider those things garbage, that I may gain Christ and be found in him. I want to know Christ, and I want to know the power 
of his resurrection. And once again, this is the word of God. Thanks be to God. Today, you may be seated. I, I just want us to focus on the one phrase for just a moment. I want to know Christ. I want to know the power of his resurrection. Let me tell you the context of this. If you read the section just before it, the Apostle Paul talks about what he had once lived for, kind of like Jonathan did in the testimony, what I used to live for. And he had a pretty sweet life back then before he met Jesus. And then after, after he's done it, he looks forward to what he knows his life is going to be like when God is finished with him. So he, he starts in verses 5 to 6 to talk about, before I met Jesus, I was of the people of Israel, I was of the tribe of Benjamin, I was zealous. I I tried to live a good life and keep all of God's laws. And and all of those things were still true. Even when he met Jesus, you know, he still was a Jewish man, right? And I think he was glad about that. He still came from a good family, as so many of us do. He was from the tribe of Benjamin. After he met Jesus, he was still from the tribe of Benjamin. And I think he was glad about that. And before he met Jesus, he really worked hard to live a good life as best he knew how to do it. And I know there are many people who show up at church don't know Jesus. That's the way you are. You're trying to live the good life. That might even be why you showed up at church. Paul, after he met Jesus, was still trying to do that. But after he met Jesus on the road to Damascus one day and he experienced God's forgiveness, God's love, God's mercy, God's power, He came to find something in his life that eclipsed all of those other identities. He became a person who now was a follower of Jesus and a child of God. Now, after he had met Jesus, he became that. But he also knew that God wasn't done with him yet. See, the Apostle Paul knew full well this wonderful promise that God says, once I'm finished with my work with you, I will be, and in verse 10 he uses that phrase, Becoming like Christ. He used other phrases at other times. Complete it like Christ. uh, Conform to the image of Christ. And while he was in the prison that day, he knew that he wasn't that yet. I love the, the, the humility of the Apostle Paul that you find in verse 12. When he says, I want to become like Christ now that I've met him. He said, I'm not saying that I've already attained this. I'm not trying to pretend that I've arrived at that goal, but I'm going to tell you this. I press forward to that high calling that comes in Christ Jesus. In other words, Paul knew what I'm, really what I tried to talk to you about week after week after week. Jesus didn't die for our sins to leave us in those sins. He didn't die for us and defeat the grave through his resurrection to leave us messed up with no real hope for a change in the future. He died to begin to change things. We want it to happen immediately. But it begins a process in which it is real. There is the resurrection power of Jesus. I want to know the power of his resurrection until he's done with me. When I read the book of Philippians, in which he wrote this, I think Paul was beginning to see evidence that God was doing some things in his life. Like what? I mean, he was sitting in a prison when he wrote this. Instead of him being frustrated and upset, my life's ruined, he had hope. He speaks about joy and and peace and contentedness right there in a prison. Once he had been an angry man, out persecuting even Christians, something changed so that critics, he didn't criticize them anymore. He wanted them to meet Jesus. The very nature of his life was beginning to change. And I'll just tell you, as you come to church today, 11 years, I so much pray that I'm 
more of a follower of Jesus now than when I first came. I, I, I hope you can see that God isn't done with me, but that uh, he's still at work. And that's what I pray will happen with you also. And Paul was seeing it happen, and he says, that's what I want to know. Having met Jesus, I want him to complete his work in me. Now, the question is, how does he do that? It doesn't happen in a moment. It, becomes with, it begins with what the Apostle Paul says, we've got to know Christ. So we place our faith in the Lord Jesus. We come alive to God. Jesus would call it, we become born again. But tell you, when you're born, you've got to grow and you've got to live. And, and at least I, for one, I need a power that's beyond my own power that I can grow and be different tomorrow from what I was yesterday. Anybody else feel that way as well? And that's what he wanted to know. How does all of that happen? We're promised that you and I have that resurrection power. Well, we don't have time, sadly, to talk about that today. So you need to come back next week. (laughs) We're going to have this six or seven week series. Pastor Jeff talked to you about it. I'll show you the picture of it. It's called The Biggest Story. We're going to pull back. Just think about what God is doing in this world. And think about what he's ready to do in your life. And I hope you'll be back next week as we began that. But right now, I just want to tell you that it really is real. And I feel like the Apostle Paul is is saying this. Whatever you go through in this world, whatever you're facing in your school, if you're wondering, will I ever get into a college? Will we ever make it through this mess that we're having in our family? All those things we deal with all the time. The Apostle Paul says, now that I have met Jesus I know he is the one who can make the blind to see. He made me when I was blind to see. I know he even has the power to overcome death. I know that he died and I've met him risen. So my problems are nothing compared to his power. And I will learn to trust him until his work is done. I at least want to show you an illustration of that. Just help you see what it's like. You know, the most popular tourist attraction in Tuen, England, is on the grounds of St. Peter's Church. I'll show you the church right there. What people from all around the world go to see in this little town of Tuen is a tree. What do you think? It's a rather large tree, and it grows out of the grave of Lady Anne Grimston, who was buried about 200 years ago in the church cemetery. Now, apparently, Lady Anne would not have liked my sermon today because she did not believe in life after death. She did not believe in resurrection. So she said to all her friends, it is as unlikely that I shall live after death as that a tree will ever grow out of my body. So she directed all of her friends that after her death, there would be a massive concrete slab placed over her grave Above that, a marble slab locked down with a fence around it and on a marker inscribed these words, this burial place must never be opened. What, what they didn't know is that apparently there underneath the casket there was an acorn. <laughs> it began to grow. I thought the best thing I could do is to show you what's what Lady Anne's uh, grave looks like now. So let's look at this video. Here's someone going, there, there it is. You see the fence around it? You, you see? Oh. Oh. My goodness. Look at, look at that. Uh, I think we need to take it up. So see if you, Kenzo, see if you can take it up. Show, show our people. 
It's true, growing right from the heart of Lady Anne Grissom's grave in St. Peter's Courtyard is one of the largest trees in all of England. Uh, That trunk has grown through the heavy iron railing, through the the cement, through the marble masonry. It shattered it to pieces. And of the many things I want to say to you today, this Easter 2018, if an acorn has the power to do that, then the power of the resurrection that comes into your life, when you receive Jesus and he gives his Holy Spirit to you, is sufficient to change anything in your life. So uh, my prayer today as I was preparing this, I want all of you to be able to leave church. Whatever you're facing, I I want you to leave church today with hope. With hope. Because the good news that Jesus has risen from the grave is not fake news. (laughs) It, It is news to be believed. Jesus has risen. Do you believe it? Do you believe it? And I want to tell you that that the resurrection is also an experience to change your life. Through the resurrection power of God at work within you, your tomorrow can be different from today. Just as Jesus did miracles of healing the sick, of being there and sustaining people in prison, of, of giving hope to those who had utterly and absolutely given up, New miracles can begin to happen in your life. You can have hope today. Because my brothers and sisters, it is true. Jesus is risen. He is risen indeed. And it is all to his glory. Amen.